You know when the clock strikes 12, that Midnight Mania Sports hosted by Austin Takuda and George Hathaway starts right now. Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 19 here on Midnight Mania Sports. Austin Takuda once again with George Hathaway as we look forward to another week in the NFL, the NBA, getting going soon and the MLB offseason has started. So George, let's start off right away with the NFL. We had a busy week of games, a mm. mess uh, in the Ravens Steelers department. But let's go back to Thanksgiving. We got to start with the first game which was the Texans and Lions. The Texans blew out the Lions and that led to the firing of Matt Patricia in GM Bob Quinn in Detroit. Yeah, and awesome. We called it on our last show that that was going to happen. Matt Patricia has not been good ever since he left New England and to become the head coach for the Detroit Lions. And this was long overdue. Matt Patricia has had, you know, terrible seasons with the Lions. Everybody thought he was going to turn it around and because of his success he had with New England, but he didn't. And nothing changed really, you know, in Detroit with, you know, what they were going to do with Patricia. I felt like, yeah, they got some players from New England that, you know, were just kind of like, out of nowhere and then other than that the team has pretty much stayed the same if not gotten worse in the last few years when since Patricia's been there which I guess goes to show our big point that we've kind of proven throughout our show is that nobody's done good after they left New England as a head coach I mean Bill O'Brien now Matt Patricia and Brian Flores he's he's not doing terrible in uh, Miami right now but it's still he's had some bad seasons yeah, it, it makes a good point there, George, um, especially where a lot of these teams get a lot of former fa- uh, Patriots players. Like you said, with the Lions, they brought in Trey Flowers in a big contract. Justin Coleman was there, Danny Shelton as well, Jamie Collins. So a lot of guys that had success in New England that didn't really pan out in Detroit, but it was missed draft picks, I think, and ultimately just you know bad coaching to develop these guys. That combination led to the Lions going for a fresh start uh, for the rest of this season and then next season, we'll see where they go with uh, their new coach. So uh, game two of the Thanksgiving Day doubleheader saw George's Dallas Cowboys take on the <laughs> Washington football team. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, it was not good at all. And this was very disappointing because I thought maybe this could be the turnaround game, possibly. I thought they looked good at some point in this game. I mean, Alex Smith, he didn't play that good for the Washington football team. He only 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And then Andy Dalton threw 25 for 35. And I thought that was, you know, decent, but still it wasn't enough. And like you said, Austin, Zeke played very, very poorly again, uh, only 32 yards on 10 carries. And like you said, a fumble as well. So, I mean, he didn't play good. I don't know what's up with that. And this Dallas Cowboys team thought we were gonna it was gonna be turned around with you know Mike McCarthy coming in, and you know possibly uh, I guess it was just had to go down to Dak getting hurt, which really kind of led to all this mess. And that's just unfortunate to see. But still, I thought maybe Andy Dalton could turn things around against an NFC East rival and a very important game for the, who is gonna decide the division. Yeah, and Antonio Gibson, rookie running back for the football team, had 20 carries for 115 yards, three touchdowns, as well as catching five passes for 21 yards. He had a terrific day. The only other rookie with three touchdowns on Thanksgiving was Randy Moss, and we know how that career turned out. 
I'm not saying Antonio Gibson is Randy Moss, but he's had a really good start to his rookie campaign with 11 rushing touchdowns already. And another game that was supposed to happen on Thanksgiving was the Steelers-Ravens. So a lot of Ravens players have been testing positive throughout the week due to COVID-19. That game was then pushed back to Monday, I believe. Or was it Sunday originally? It was originally on Sunday. It was originally Sunday night. Then more COVID hit, and then they moved it back to, what, Monday or Tuesday? I think Tuesday. Tuesday. And then, (laughs) no, now they move it to Wednesday, but it's not a night game because NBC said, screw you, NFL. We're not moving the Rockefeller tree lighting. So you can kick <laughs> off at 3.40 in the afternoon on Wednesday. Nice. I mean, what's better than doing some schoolwork on Zoom and Teams and just having the game on the background? I mean, that's the it's, best way to do it. <laughs> you get to see RG3 making his return as Lamar Jackson is out with COVID-19. Um, for the Ravens, Ben, uh, not Ben, excuse me, Mark Andrews, their Pro Bowl tight end is also on the COVID-19 list. He has type 1 diabetes, so he's a guy who's very high risk um, to have some serious uh, some serious symptoms from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So let's see. We'll see how Mark Andrews, you know, progresses over the next couple of weeks if he does play again. But hopefully he has a speedy recovery. Willie Sneed out with COVID-19, one of the Ravens receivers. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins also tested positive. I'm not sure 100% on their availability. I think they're out for these games as well. And for the Steelers running back, James Conner is also out. So just a mess of a mess of a game here coming up on Wednesday. But if you're Robert Griffin III, what do you have to do to beat the Steelers who are 10-0 with a pretty solid defense? I mean, I guess he's going to have to do what Robert Griffin III has always done. He's pretty much a very older Lamar Jackson. (laughs) I remember when he was a rookie, he lit it up on the field, you know, running wise. He was a great quarterback on the ground in the air too. He wasn't terrible when he was with the then Washington Redskins who are now the Washington football team. So, I mean, I think RG three, he was a great quarterback before he got hurt. And I still think the combination with him and Lamar Jackson, I feel like he's learned a little bit about Lamar Jackson, how to maybe, you know, the 2020 version of the running quarterback and how to put it into this game. He's just going to have to try to get the ball on the ground. I mean, they don't have as many weapons right now. I mean, I guess Hollywood Brown would be another one. Uh, I, I don't know who else would be for the receiving <laughs> limited or the, the Ravens receiving. Court. Yeah. So I mean, Des he's is just back. Have to... Des is signed. Yeah. So again, <laughs> it's Des. I don't know. He did. He didn't do terrible. I thought in his first game back, but I thought, you know, it's going to take a few games for Des Bryant to fully right. kind of, you know, be back to him full, his full self. And it doesn't help him having a, who's a primarily rushing quarterback. So I think they're going to have to keep the ball on the ground. That's what you're going to have to do if you're the Baltimore Ravens. Should be an interesting one. Wednesday again, 340 for the kickoff as NBC is not moving their tree lighting <laughs> for NFL games. So hopefully that game gets over before the tree lighting and we might not see the end of it. And then we're going to go back to Sunday, though, before we go ahead to the uh, week 13. The Patriots hosted the Arizona Cardinals, and it was a game that many people didn't give the Patriots necessarily a chance in uh, after their loss to the Houston Texans. The Patriots come in, they play well, the defense shows up, and they defeat Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals 20-17. to And I thought the Patriots' defense this game played astoundingly because you held Kyler Murray – to 170 yards in the air and only 31 on the ground, which 
we know Kyler Murray is capable of doing both at a very high level. And I thought the Patriots defense did a good job. Kyler Murray threw an interception, didn't have any touchdowns on the day. And it was Kenyon Drake for the Cardinals who played really well, 78 yards and two touchdowns. So pretty much this game, both sides, the quarterback was taken out of the game. It was pretty much in the hands of the running backs. James White for the Patriots had 18 yards and only two touchdowns. Uh, Damian Harris with 47 yards. So, I mean, this game was pretty much only on the ground throughout. I mean, Jacoby Myers for the Patriots had 52 yards. So it wasn't a very like heavy game uh, receiving-wise for both teams. I mean, even DeAndre Hopkins had 55, 55 yards. So it was a defensive game primarily. And it came down to the wire and came down to kicking. And Nick Folk never doubted him for a second, of course, two game-winning field goals this season. I mean, who if we said this a few years ago, I don't think anybody would have believed us that Nick Folk would hit two game-winning field goals in a season. Nick Folk's been money this year and a guy mm-hmm. who's bounced around, who had questions about the Patriots drafted a kicker, remember, in this draft to replace Folk. But Nick Folk's been solid in if you're Cam Newton, it's it's another poor performance. It was 9 of 18 with two interceptions. Again, we talk about he doesn't have much help around him, but, you know, he's got to uh, – you know, you can't turn the ball over two times. I know one of them was tipped at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. but we'll see how he plays next week. But the good thing about Cam is he knows he's playing poorly and wants to get better. So we'll see how he improves. James White with two touchdowns. Damian Harris, I thought he ran the ball okay, although the stat sheet doesn't show it. But it should be an interesting one for New England as they – plow ahead uh, to week 13 in which they'll be taking on the chargers Chargers justin herbert that's right it's justin herbert coming to town that should be a fun matchup i they're gonna have to keep pace with the chargers offense chargers have been pretty effective scoring the football so we'll 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 break down that game on friday later this week but Mm -hmm. another game that was really surprising to me was the atlanta falcons and las vegas raiders the raiders came in as the favorites in that game as they were six and four Falcons were four and six, but the Falcons come in and blow them out 43 to six. I mean, they just dominated the Raiders the entire game. I was shocked. Yeah. And I think this had to go with the Falcons, um, you know, running game and passing game from Matt Ryan. I thought Matt Ryan played predominantly well back. It was, this was a new Matt Ryan. We've seen him struggle all season long, which is like a big thing about if he was going to be traded, if he, this was the end for Matt Ryan, but no, it looked like he, Still has a little bit of life in him. 185 yards, two touchdowns. However, he did have one interception. And a lot of their success also came on the running game with Ido Smith, who had 65 yards and a touchdown, and Brian Hill had 55 yards as well on 13 carries. So I thought overall, the running game for the Falcons was good. And Calvin Ridley, he played well with 50 yards. So, I mean, again, it was just like one of those games where it – the Las Vegas Raiders, their defense just didn't show up. And surprisingly, this is still a six and five Raiders team and still have a shot for the playoffs at this point, you know, and this isn't, you know, what you're going to expect to see from the Raiders. If they want to make that extra push to get into the wild card game, because they're definitely not going to win the AFC West, especially with, Patrick Mahomes still being there and the Kansas City Chiefs. So Derek Carr, he, he had 215 yards, although he did have one interception. And other than that, that the offense just wasn't there. 
Yeah, and this actually opens the door a little bit for the Patriots to make a run, but they can't mm-hmm. afford another loss in New England. Maybe one, but they did beat the Raiders earlier in the year, which is huge. And as you mentioned, the Raiders will be vying for that wild card spot as well. Now the Raiders are six and five, the Patriots at five and six. So that they're getting closer to, you know, tying some of those teams that are near the wild card spot. But New England really can't afford another mistake, especially next week against the Chargers. And another game where a team has been struggling a bit lately is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Kansas City Chiefs matchup which ended up being closer than it was early on it was 27-24 final score KC Tyree Kill had a historic day 13 catches 269 yards three touchdowns he did have seven catches for 200 yards in the first quarter I mean he just lit it up offensively Pat Mahomes 462 yards three touchdowns he is easily the league MVP and Tom Brady struggled again 345 three touchdowns two picks I thought Brady's receivers played a little better. Mike Evans kind of struggled again with some of the routes he was running. But overall, there was some signs of life from Tampa, but Tom made a couple more mistakes. And, I mean, you're not going to beat Pat Mahomes when he's that good. And the thing with the Buccaneers, though, is how can they keep the momentum early? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, for the first half, the Buccaneers played – garbage like it was just flat out terrible by the Buccaneers Tom Brady didn't perform well the defense clearly was nowhere in sight if you're letting Tyreek Hill run or you know run routes up right around you and Patrick Mahomes is just throwing deep balls so that defense definitely struggled in the first half but you can't be having these close games and worry about you know the clock and that's what Tom Brady's been known for is that he's good at those comebacks in the second half but you can't afford too many of those especially against, you know, the reigning Super Bowl champions, Patrick Mahomes, like you said, Austin, probably the league MVP and one of the best offenses in the NFL. You can't just be doing that, you know, every single week because one, that's just not going to be good long-term because you then, once you get to the playoffs, you're going to be facing a lot of harder teams and Mm -hmm. there's no room for error, especially when it comes to the playoffs time and Tom Brady and, what I'm not thrilled about Austin is Bruce Arians. I don't like how he, you know, really throws Brady, the offense under the bus for a lot of these mistakes. I mean, yes, Tom Brady did throw two interceptions again and, you know, missed a lot of routes here and there and misread some like the defense a few times. So, I mean, yeah, Tom Brady struggled a little bit, but still you can't be putting all the blame on just Tom Brady yeah, defense certainly could have done better. They wouldn't be down by so much if Tyree Kill didn't explode in the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they had to make some adjustments on Hill. They had to drop a couple safeties back because he was just burning people one-on-one. Um, but it, I think the coaching in Tampa is the biggest problem. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with they're not making adjustments in the game. Um, and a lot of it is Brady and his receivers, you know, having trouble connecting, getting on the same page. But I'm not, you know, Bruce Arians, in the way I think it was Steve Young or Randy Moss on NFL Countdown talked about it. He's just trying to hold Brady accountable and kind of show his players that he treats everyone equally. But I think there's another way to do it. I really do. I think there's another way to to go about that. Yeah, and one of the ways you could go about it is the same way Bill Belichick does. He doesn't undermine a single player. He doesn't say, he doesn't call him out. He says, we just got to work on as a team. Because football, at the end of the day, is still a team sport. It's not individual. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback is probably one of the more important positions in the game. But still, you know, maybe a receiver could have ran a route better. 
And that's maybe that's why Brady threw the ball a little too low or something like that. I mean, offensively, the Buccaneers have a lot to work on. And I don't think Bruce Arians has the right to blame it just solely on Tom Brady. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, he's going to take more accountability as a coach. I really think mm-hmm. so. That's a big problem. You know, you heard Belichick. He wouldn't really throw Brady under the bus. He'd say, we just have to execute. I have to do a better job of coaching. And I don't think Arians does that. But we'll see how the Tampa Buccaneers, you know, how they bounce back. Seven and five now on the season. And, you know, that division lead is kind of slipping. or not division lead, but the chance to win the division with Drew Brees mm-hmm. out for New Orleans is slipping away as the Saints face the Denver Broncos, where the Broncos did not have a quarterback due to all four of their quarterbacks testing positive for COVID-19. So Kendall Hinton, who is a practice squad ride receiver, got the start at quarterback, went one for nine, 13 yards, two picks. That shows you how hard it is to be a quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Nobody should ever make a comment or say anything about how, oh, I could have made that throw. He was so open because you really couldn't have. He just showed you this guy's a guy who played college football, who was very good at quarterback in high school. And he comes in the NFL and goes one for nine with two picks. I mean, it's so hard. And that just showed it. I'm glad, I'm not glad that happened, but it does hopefully open it up and show people that you can't exactly do what these guys do. You, you know, all the criticism they take, it's not that easy. It certainly isn't. And, you know, on the flip side of it, the Saints, Taysom Hill, he's a, he was also a tight end at one point. And so you pretty much have position players playing a whole new uh, position with the quarterback. And the thing with the Broncos is nobody knew Hinton going into this game. Nobody's worked with him. They haven't even, you know, ran the offense with him. And this was kind of what was weird. This is why the NFL was a mess this week. It's that four players on one team, yes, it was isolated but uh, with the COVID cases, but still like they had the game go on regardless which was just kind of weird that, you know, although with both sides, the Broncos or with the Ravens and Steelers game, both sides had players test positive. They had to postpone the game, but if four on one team did, it was just kind of weird what the NFL did. I thought with that, and you're right, Austin, the saints now are going to have the division lead. They're nine and two, even without drew Brees, which is pretty shocking because drew Brees thought of retirement last season. And, you know, look what the Saints have done without him, which is still really good. Right. I mean, Taysom Hill hasn't been great at quarterback, but they've done a good job of redesigning the offense a bit to kind of cater to his needs. He had a couple rushing touchdowns against the Falcons, had two more against the Broncos, and is doing a good job getting them wins, which at the end of the day, that's what matters if you're winning football games. And obviously this week was kind of a gimme against a, team who could only run the ball literally only who was able to run the ball um but you know it's going to be interesting to see how they go the next few weeks breeze obviously with the i believe it was close to double digits and broken ribs i mean a painful injury from a tough quarterback and that that's uh it's interesting now Taysom hill man making a case to see if he can be a starting quarterback i wouldn't be surprised if the jets dish out four years 60 million to him in the offseason Hey, watch out. I mean, who knows, though? Look what the Texans did with Brock Osweiler. Jameis Winston might be getting a big contract, too, which is <laughs> kind of surprising. Is like Jameis Winston is a pretty decent quarterback in the NFL, and he is the, I guess, now backup to Taysom Hill, or maybe next week he'll be the starter. Who knows how that's going for the Saints? But, I mean, there's definitely some qualified quarterbacks out there. 
that are backups. I mean, Jameis Winston's one of them. I mean, you could put Taysom Hill on any team and he could probably get you a few wins if you have the right coach. And Sean Payton has done a great job adjusting this offense to Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, which is a big reason for their success without Drew Brees. Yeah, that's the um, that's the big thing here. We got to see um, how how they continue because they played a couple teams that mm-hmm. you know the Falcons did struggle, you know, and then you have the Broncos obviously without a real chance. So we'll see how they go in Week 13 and see if they can continue that momentum. But George, you got to move over now to the NBA unless you have anything else NFL wise to go over from this week. I mean, last night was the Eagles Seahawks in a really boring game. Carson Wentz still sucks. That kind of sums up that game. <laughs> Carson Wentz is, is terrible. He's been sacked 40, 46 times, I believe, this season, and we still have five games to go. I mean, last season, he was sacked 37 for a career high. I mean, this just goes to show the Eagles are not where they were a few years ago when they won the Super Bowl, which I have no idea how they did. If It was because of Nick Foles, really, because if Carson Wentz was on that team, the Eagles certainly would not have beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But I mean... Carson Wentz, though, Austin, you're absolutely right. He's terrible. I mean, James, put Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill there. You're at least getting a few wins, maybe. But, I mean, other than that, you're playing a tough Seahawks team. DK Metcalf's absolutely insane. And Russell Wilson is making, still making a case for why he should be MVP, but I still think it's clear that it might it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it should be Mahomes, and it's a combination, too, of play calling in and- how bad um, Carson Wentz has been this season that's led to the downfall of the Eagles. We'll see how they bounce back, see how they can continue and uh, hopefully you know, improve to give a, the now first-place Washington football team and <laughs> the New York Giants actually in first place, I believe, over the football team. They run for their money. But moving over to the NBA side of things now, we'll start with the Boston Celtics. They officially announced mm-hmm. the signings of Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson this week. Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens at a press conference today, talked in depth kind of about the offseason. Um, one thing Danny Ainge said was the p- thing people have to understand, and I'm paraphrasing here for what Ainge said, but he said that things that people have to understand is that a sign-in trade is up to the player, mm-hmm. and he controls that. So referencing how Gordon Hayward really made the decision to go to Charlotte. So for all the people that are still crying about how Danny Ainge didn't really get a player back or didn't get Miles Turner, there was never a chance for that because – Gordon Hayward was going to Charlotte where the money was anyway. And I've been saying this for two weeks and it's still bothering me because people are still complaining. Yeah. And you mentioned Miles Turner, but the Celtics did end up picking up a Turner. Former player Evan Turner is now going to be the assistant coach for the Boston Celtics, which he tweeted out, what, a few days ago that he wanted to fight uh, Jake, Jake Paul <laughs> instead of Nate Robinson, which. I don't know how that's opening up for discussion for the Celtics there. I'll be pretty interesting, but I think this is a good uh, coaching hire for the Celtics. Turner, he knows the game. He's only a few years away from it. Honestly, I forgot. I didn't even know he retired Austin. I thought he was still in the league somewhere, but I think this is a good, good idea for the Celtics. They're clearly trying to move forward. This team is really well-rounded and Kemba Walker uh, will not be playing the first few weeks in of the season because he's going to be out with his knee injury uh, at least up until January at most. So Jeff Teague, it looks like probably will be the starting point guard for the Boston Celtics, which I'm excited for. Uh, he's a, only five years ago, he was an all-star 
He can still give you the points and he can still, you know, move the ball around at a very high level. He knows the game and he's really good at it too. So I like Jeff Teague. I'm excited to see him start for the Celtics uh, if that does actually happen. So I think this, the Celtics team is looking really complete right now, even with Tristan Thompson. It'll be interesting to see how Teague plays. He's not a good defender at this stage in his career, and we know point guards can regress quickly, especially when they hit their mid-30s as Teague's mm-hmm. approaching that number. So uh, with Kemba out, it's definitely a tough loss for the Celtics, but I wouldn't be Teague's not going to play 30 minutes a game. I think people have to temper their expectations. You're going to get a lot of Marcus Smart at point guard. You're going to get a lot of uh, Neesmith off the bench. You're going to get a decent chunk of Peyton Pritchard, maybe even some Tremont Waters. So, um, I like Teague too. I think he'll be solid. I think he can score when you need him to, uh, can help be a veteran presence on the floor. But I think if, you know, I've seen this movie before, let's say, you know, a veteran guy coming in and mm-hmm. really underperforming, you'd think they're going to give you something and they don't. So we'll see how he, uh, how he plays out. I'd like to see a few games first before I get too excited about him, but it, it'll be definitely something to uh, monitor, but what people aren't talking about, and I'm glad that Brad and Danny Ainge brought this up is, you got to understand they have two superstar wings in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum that are still getting better. So while right. you didn't add another all-star, you might not need to let these two guys keep getting better. Um, I still think that the Heat, Miami Heat, are better than the Celtics right now on paper. And I think that mm-hmm. the Celtics and Heat are going to, if they meet again in the playoffs, I'm not super confident in Boston because Miami played them so well last year. I think they're going to come back for more. So that's one team that I'm still scared, not scared of, but I really think is going to give the Celtics problems in the playoffs if we get to that point. Yeah, and I think the Miami Heat, they really didn't make any huge offseason moves. I know they got Avery Bradley, who is a defensive guard, uh, similar or very familiar, rather, with the Boston Celtics organization. And other than that, I know they signed Bam to a big contract as well. So, I mean, I think the Celtics are definitely a better team than last year. Can they beat the Heat? Probably not. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, though. I think this team, compared to last year, can size up better and matchup-wise against the Miami Heat. So I think a series between these two would definitely go to six or seven. I think it'll be a lot closer than that. And they'll definitely score more points for sure and not have, you know, not miss or not even blow leads or, you know, miss 13 threes, whatever they did last season and another team in the east that i think the celtics are probably weary about is probably the brooklyn nets i mean you're gonna have you know the seven foot kevin durant probably guarded by i don't know who tristan thompson probably that's a big man or maybe jalen brown or not jalen brown jason tatum i don't know who would be guarding probably. kevin durant so i think that's another matchup and then Kyrie, i think Hopefully, if fans are back in arenas, I think that series would be very fun to watch. Kyrie back and fans get to see him, you know, a few times. So I think that's a matchup I'd also be nervous about. And Milwaukee, I'm not bothered by them if I'm the Celtics right now. You have who knows what's going on there. That team certainly, you know, has is a roller coaster right now. They're going to be good, and then they just kind of fell with you know Bogdanovich not going there anymore in this team I don't think the chemistry is there right now so I think the Celtics Heat and Nets are probably those three teams to look out for coming out the east the Sixers mm, 
I don't know. I didn't, I haven't trusted the process the last four years, still not going to trust it now, even with new head coach, doc rivers. I don't think, I just don't think that's going to be a good fit there in Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia is an interesting one to me. I think it's uh they did a lot to change up that team to make it a more three-point uh, three oriented offense with Steph, uh, Seth Curry rather, um, coming in and playing the shooting guard position. Danny Green coming in, but Green really didn't make shots with L.A., so I don't know why we're convinced that he's going to make this team better all of a sudden. Um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting year for Philly. I like Embiid still. Some people that we know good. think Embiid is better than Jason Tatum. I disagree. I, I don't know who thinks that. I, there's somebody mentioning oh, me in gosh. Twitter. Um, you'll have to go take a look there. They, I will have to go take a look. Yeah, because... they're a big fan of Embiid um, for whatever reason, but Tatum is very much better than Joel. Um, they also did Clearly. call Embiid. They did call Embiid the best big man in the league. So, which oh I, wait, uh, hold up, hold up, wait a second. I mean, Anthony got... Davis, Bam Adebayo, I'd rather have Cat, um, Nikola Jokic. Yeah, they're all better. Rudy Gobert, so, I mean, he's at least those there. four. Gobert's yeah, possible, but at least those four. I mean, Cat, Davis, Adebayo, and Jokic, 100% better than Embiid at this point. But wow. that's a debate for another day. Wow. Um, but yeah, at the NBA, I mean, after free agency wrapped up, we haven't seen any more really big contracts. We're still waiting on Anthony Davis to sign. Mm-hmm. Brendan Ingram, we talked about last show, got his extension. Um, Bam Adebayo got his. We mentioned all of those before. George, any other off-season news that you've seen in the NBA in the last week or so? Nothing really. I mean, training camp started up this week. We're only three weeks away from the NBA season starting, which is crazy to think about just considering about 20 days ago, not even 40 days ago, the season ended. So I think that, you know, this off-season is crazy. We're still waiting to hear with the Russell Westbrook, James Harden situation in Houston. Kind of genuinely like curious about that i mean demarcus cousins is there so it's kind of going to be interesting to see if that plays out the way it is Uh, kevin durant today said in the media conference is that the james harden rumors are you know just hyped up by the media so that might be something to kind of keep an eye out for and another surprise when i saw was russell westbrook was the rockets considered trading russell westbrook to the Cavs on draft night which is really weird. I mean, I wouldn't be able to see him in that system. That'd be just awful for his career, I think. And he only averaged about six points per game more than Colin Sexton, who was the Cavaliers' leading scorer, and Russell Westbrook was the second leading scorer on the Rockets. So that's kind of like a lose, I think, for uh, the Cavs, because who are you really going to fit Russell Westbrook around? That's the thing is Cleveland right now has Sexton, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., if he's not suspended, um, Kevin Love, and Andre Drummond. So that core isn't great. Um, but if you trade out Sexton, and I'd assume it would take Sexton, Garland, and possibly KPJ too um, in that trade, you know, you probably get better. You win more games. But long term, I mean, depending on how Sexton and Garland develop, you're going to probably lose that one. But it wouldn't be a bad deal for the Rockets. I understand why they're talking to the Cavs about that. I think that would put them in a better position to actually have young talent because they don't have any like high first round picks left in that roster. It's really, it's now Westbrook, Harden, Christian Wood, and DeMarcus Cousins. That's your core. 
And I don't know it's if that's going to be enough to win. I, it's not terrible. That'll get them to the playoffs. I like Christian. It's not terrible. It's not terrible he, because you have Westbrook and Harden who are top 15 mm-hmm. players. Yeah. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, depending on his injury, if he can really kind of make a big name for himself again, kind of rebound. I like Christian Wood when he was in Detroit, probably one of the better rebounders and defensive players there. Um, even offensively, he would be able to score the ball really well. So I, I think that's a good four. It's going to be weird, the chemistry, considering all the offseason rumors. I, I don't know. I can't imagine what that locker room is like right now. Just kind of everyone looking at James Harden and Russell Westbrook like, oh, these guys don't want to be here. So I bet that's kind of like weird and offsetting. But other than that, I think the NBA news, there's not much going on. That's the thing is now we're kind of still we're waiting for the season to start. That's coming up and, you know, the game starting before Christmas will be underway. I mean, steer clear of COVID-19. So we'll see if they can do it. They, they, they had a good bubble run. We'll see if they can do it now and back into, you know, society. Um, one story I did hear from this offseason that I want to, you know, mention is let me make sure I get this right. Zary Smith, is that how you say his name? He's was on the Sixers, a first round pick. Um, he was drafted, I think, 18th or 60th. Now, he ended up having – they thought he was going to be a decent shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Um, he was taken – let me just make sure I have – I have some notes on this one. It was a 16th overall pick, okay, in the 2018 NBA draft. The Sixers thought they had a solid shooting guard. Now, what happened is he did have a foot injury. He came back ready to play. And then he had an allergic reaction. Um <laughs> <laughs> he lost a ton of weight. This was to, I think it was sesame seeds. And he missed like eight months, lost a ton of weight and has never been the same again. So he never even like, he the reason I bring it up because he was traded for by the Detroit Pistons and they just waived him. So he was with the Sixers as the 18th pick in 2018, um, broke his foot, didn't play much in that year, then got, had a severe allergic reaction to sesame seeds or nuts. One of the two and lost a ton of weight and hasn't really played since. And now, the Pistons just waved him. So that's an unfortunate, he's only 21 years old, unfortunate um, ending for now to his NBA career. I mean, we'll see if he gets another shot, but that's just a bizarre offseason story I thought I'd I'd share. I mean, you don't hear that ever. You know, a guy, you have those freak stories about a guy losing out on his career because of something so bizarre. Yeah, especially to an allergic reaction. You think a lot of times those would be avoided by just saying, oh, hey, actually, I'm like allergic to nuts. I, and, and I believe, I, I think that shouldn't trainers and like, team personnel know that too i'm pretty sure it's like the first thing you say is like oh yeah by the way i can't eat at this team dinner i'm allergic to nuts i don't know what it was but i don't know that is very bizarre and odd you know so many crazy off-season rumors in the nba and everything that's happening so you think that you know this one definitely tops it as well and austin one thing i do want to bring up isaiah thomas you know, the former Celtics player, he's been back in the gym. Everybody's been saying he's playing a lot better. And he was playing with John Wall, Kevin Durant a few times this offseason. And they were both saying that he he's league ready. And Isaiah Thomas said himself that he was blowing by these MVP type players. And, you know, he and let's not forget when he was with the Celtics 2016, 2017, he was voted fifth in the MVP voting. So, I mean, that's just insane that, you know, it's been a few years since we've seen him, you know, play at the level he was. And now here we are again. Do you think he actually gets the shot? 
It won't be with the Celtics, but I mean, well, depending on how Jeff Teague plays, I mm-hmm. mean, it won't be with the Celtics and when Kemp is ready. Um, but I think he definitely should get another shot somewhere. If he's saying that he's able to blow by guys, if he's saying he's healthy, why wouldn't a team like the Detroit Pistons or even the Orlando Magic go work him out and see what he's got left? I mean, worst case, you sign him to a one-year contract worth, like, league minimum. Isaiah will play. And he shines for you and you trade him and get a draft pick back to a contending team. It's what they do in baseball all the time. You have guys who, you know, maybe are veterans. The Phillies used to do this when they were rebuilding, although they're still rebuilding now because they (laughs) fumbled that one. But you'd sign a guy who's a veteran, you know what I mean? See how he plays. And if he's good, you just trade him on a one-year deal. It's low risk. I'd like to see a team do that. And Isaiah is such an easy guy to root for. I'm hoping he gets another shot. I really do like Isaiah Thomas. He was just like, Ah, uh, he was just the heart of it all, and it was it was upsetting to see him not get that shot again to you know go back on a team and play, but I'm hoping he does again, hopefully soon, because he's he's a great overall person as well, along with the player, and I think any team that is looking for a guard right now should be you know looking for him. I don't know a few teams that are looking for guards right now. I'm, I'm like you said, the Detroit, Detroit Pistons they got a ton of big men. In free agency so i believe that they could probably get him orlando magic they got cole anthony so that'd be a good duo down there and so i mean isaiah thomas definitely deserves a shot i agree we'll see how they you know how if he gets a shot or how teams kind of play it as we get closer to the start of the nba season um but moving on to the MLB quick, there's been a couple signings. One guy who signed today is Trevor May, a reliever who was with the Twins. He got a two-year deal worth $15 million with the New York Mets. Now, Trevor May was actually on our show last year in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, December or January, I actually interviewed him here on Midnight Mania Sports. So he's a great guy and very happy to see him getting a new contract with a team who's looking to build themselves towards the playoffs. I think it's a good signing, especially for two years. It's like you said, like we mentioned earlier, it's going to be like a low risk two years. It shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, May will bring a good presence to that Mets bullpen. Uh, he's, you know, a solid arm, a guy who has solid off-speed pitches as well with a good fastball and earned himself a average salary of $7.5 million a year, which is pretty good for a reliever. The Philadelphia Phillies made the qualifying offer to relief pitcher Sir Anthony Dominguez, who had an impressive rookie season but then had Tommy John last year. Uh, one year worth 725000 so he'll be back. But the Phillies aren't spending money this offseason. Um, it's very disappointing. If you're not going to spend money, sell the team. Pretty simple. Other teams, like the, even the Kansas City Royals, they signed Mike Miner, a veteran left-handed pitcher, to a two-year, $19 million contract. Miner had a bad year with Texas last season, but two years ago was a borderline all-star. So it's a good low-risk signing for KC to look to get a guy that they can trade down the line if he performs well. I mean, two. I mean, good signings overall today in the MLB, and something, and it's finally starting to pick right back up. And hopefully, this kind of starts a domino effect of more, you know, off-season moves throughout the league, and you know, it'll make something a little bit more interesting. Yeah, and this, the big names are still out there: DJ LeMahieu, JT Realmuto, George Springer. Don't expect those guys to sign till mid-January, uh, even beginning of February again, as we've seen free agency is kind of. Uh, been delayed in terms of the guys signing the last couple of off seasons. It's, I don't like it. I wish they would kind of shorten the window of guys to sign. I mean, it does allow them time to think it over and negotiate with a lot of different teams, which is nice, but 
we'll have to see if teams are willing to spend money in the COVID-19 pandemic or not. Um, but that, that's that's all I got for MLB this week. Nothing too exciting again as it's the off season as we talked about. It, it moves very slow typically. Um, George, anything else here for the MLB that you've seen recently? Uh, nothing for the MLB really. And other than that, like I think we pretty much covered everything today on Midnight Mania Sports. Also, I don't know if you have any other final remarks. Do you remember our bold takes for the week? I, I don't know if we have those written oh, down. Oh, yeah. I think That's I our last have thing this. that we got to go over is our bold takes from last week for week 12. Okay. I don't think they were accurate. I don't remember them. Okay. Okay. Well, Austin, it's going to kind of like – okay, both of ours, we lost. We, we just totally oh, like I, lost ours. Okay. You said Zeke, three touchdowns. Zeke. Okay. Three touchdowns. Austin, how many did he have? He zero. Yeah, how many Zero fumbles? with 32 yards. Yeah. And- one fumble. He had more fumbles and touchdowns. That's when you know you're on your way to getting a gold jacket in Canton, Ohio. <laughs> Mine. Ready, ready. Listen to this. Well, I guess my bold take, I don't think, happened yet. I said Lamar was going to have – oh, never mind. I can't oh. happen. Lamar was going to have two touchdowns, run rushing touchdown. Ravens are going to get a win. Well, I mean, I guess the Ravens can still get a win. I guess I'm gonna th- I guess they can still get a win, but oh, – You can gosh. swap that over to RG3 if you'd like. Two no. passing, one rushing, and a win. No? no, no, no. All right, then you get your your bold take gets nullified this week. It doesn't count. Neither does yours. Zeke with no three mine counts. Zeke's just a horrible football player at the moment. Well, it's also not all his fault. I mean, his old line's injured. He has no quarterback. Mm. So, put Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill in there for the Cowboys. There you go. <sighs> maybe next year. Maybe next oh, year. But no, we'll have. No. Not next year. <laughs> Dak's we coming would... back better than ever. Uh, your fingers are crossed, I can tell. You're hoping. Well, we'll have another episode of Midnight Mania Sports coming up on Friday where we go into our bold takes for NFL Week 13 and preview those list of games. But for now, that's all for this episode of Midnight Mania Sports. For George Hathaway, I'm Austin Dakota. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening and have a great night.